Three. Hello, everyone. This is Matthew from the Canadian Journal of Emergency Nursing. And I'm here today with Theo, who published a, a great article on screening for interpersonal violence uh, in our journal. We're lucky to have her today to tell us about her project and about the things she learned. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, so, as you said, I am an emergency nurse in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Um, I trained here in the province, the U of S. I got a degree first in kinesiology. I just, I really love anything healthcare. Um, and I wanted the opportunity to have, have a, a wider grasp on, on health and, and help people in, in more ways. And so I had gone into nursing. Um, I started in the emergency department in 2015 for my student preceptorship, my final placement. Um, January 2015, and I absolutely fell in love with emergency nursing. Um, I didn't see myself there at any point in uh, in my life in, until January 4th, 2015. Um, and then I, I left school, education. I decided to pursue my master's um, shortly after that. And this this work actually came out of my final class, um, a mini thesis. And I had a little bit of trouble at first deciding what I wanted to, to do, what I wanted to study for that topic. Um, intimate partner violence is something that I had studied throughout um, my master's degree. And then the month before this class started, as we were preparing, I had a couple incidents in the emergency department where I, I just knew that this is what I had to pursue for um, for my final topic, I needed to make an effort to try and help um, with that cause. So that's that's how I arrived there. Had you received any formal training on approaches to uh, approaches to violence or intimate partner violence, either in your undergraduate training, in your preparation to work in the emergency department, or in grad school? No, I, I had not at all. Um, it might have been something that was hiding away in one of our textbooks that we didn't discuss or cover. Um, and then until I chose to study it in my master's and do a literature review and uh, like myself, it was nothing working in Emerge. Um, you have your experience yourself. I, I'm not sure what your, what your department's policies may or may not be if you have one or not, but we didn't know what to do experiencing these scenarios you you're just afraid you don't know how to approach it you don't want to make things worse for people um and so we kind of tiptoe it's kind of a taboo a taboo topic for a lot um we don't always know what happens behind closed doors and sometimes we're just afraid for various reasons to to explore that to open it up to to bring it up how, how do you stretch a word or ask these questions? It's very sensitive, um, very sensitive topic. Can you tell me, how did you go about improving the care of people who experience intimate partner violence in your department? Um, so in doing a literature review, um, I first identified 
what barriers to screening were, um, finding that staff felt ill-prepared um, or that they, they just didn't know how to address the topic, what to say. Um, time, obviously, is a big factor. That's probably the number one thing that that would come to any ED nurse if you were to ask him or her why they don't. We don't have time. We don't have private places to discuss these topics. Um, those are probably the biggest ones. So then exploring those um, myself and Dr. Mena, who was my uh, supervisor with the project, Dr. Maposa, our, our co-writer, um, we had, we did a flow chart and we just kind of let all of our ideas flow over a few sessions. And we identified that sharing knowledge um, with, and knowledge on a, a tool to screen, giving ED staff um, this, the steps, discussing with them um, manifestations, a process, giving them a plan, um, explaining our resources in the community, um, sharing what kind of an issue it looks like in our city would prepare them to then discuss, feel comfortable discussing this topic, bringing it up, asking, um, making sure that staff know to be kind and to not make these patients, these clients feel like victims, um, to be open, to give them time and try not to just always be rushing through, looking at the, the numbers in our waiting room. Um, to be patient and compassionate when, when discussing these topics and then um, making sure that our staff know that this needs to be done in confidence and in privacy. Make sure that you have a chance if you're gonna bring up these questions, uh, making sure that the individuals have that opportunity to, to to respond in a, a way that someone isn't nearby listening or they don't have to worry about what other people are gonna think. Um, if people are not asked about these issues, they just aren't going to bring them up. Um, and even when we do ask, we, we need to be persistent over, over time for them. It, people, it will take an average, they say, of seven times being asked before they'll, they'll finally divulge and share information or look for help. Um, so just being, being supportive, being patient and having it in the back of your mind that this, this is something we need to be aware of and we need to, we need to have the skills and, and tools at our dispense for when we feel that we might need them. One of the I think, most powerful takeaway messages from your work for myself is, yeah. I've seen the implementation of universal intimate partner violence uh, screening adopted definitely in, in Alberta, uh, in our province, and at multiple sites, the, um, the strength of the implementation has really guided probably the adherence or how many people actually go about screening. And I'd say even at the site that I work at, we didn't do the best job at implementing, uh, and our screening rates actually remained quite low because we didn't provide, I think our staff with a really good understanding of the importance of doing the screening and then what to do if someone's screened positive. I think we're finding that, that we're afraid to do screening if we don't know 
how to resource them or what the next step is. So we just gloss over it. So you're providing these resources, I think, is a really, really powerful takeaway. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we're not... I can't speak for all, all universities or, or colleges, but it, it's not... Uh, there's a general consensus that um, not a lot of nurses will feel prepared to do so to bring this up. So we definitely need to work on that. Can you tell me what was the process like? Because what I'm hoping is that Canadian emergency nurses can uh, model your work to improve the resourcing of people who screen positive. How did you go about or what was the process like for finding the resources that were available in your community? Where did you start? How did you do it? I had reached out to um, my supervisor, Dr. Main. I had a few contacts for other research that he'd been doing, and so he thought they would be good ones to follow up with. Um, so I had reached out um, to a few individuals through email. Um, sometimes I got some responses. Sometimes I had to dig a little deeper and go places. Um, but just... Being in the city and working in the ED, I knew that the local police station would be a good place to start. Um, we have a mobile crisis unit uh, for dealing with any any crises in for social support side is right um, in the city, um, and so they they were wonderful. Um, and the local YWCA, uh, all of these individual well organizations were able to give me statistics. Um, the the most clear and of course sometimes we record numbers and we don't know the whole story behind all those numbers, but um, they were able to provide me with some local recent statistics and, uh, and with ways to, to go about accessing them and what they would do where they go from there and um, for the supports that they can provide. So, yes. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, that's really great. I know that um, there are some sites uh, across Canada who have used, um, though it is quite gendered, uh, this tends to be a very gendered problem, uh, the, uh, lipstick containers in, um, in, uh, in many departments here, um, they're in Pixis, or you're able to keep them in the nurse's medication room. Um, we've also seen some other departments go about keeping a Sharpie container and urine spec containers, or pardon me, a Sharpie and urine spec containers in the bathroom. So someone can indicate on, uh, on a urine catch um, that the nurse can review that they'd like to have a private conversation. Yeah. So they'd like to be screened further. Um, yeah, which I thought was interesting, which is not anything that I learned in school or I learned in my basic training or I came across in my ED uh, specific training. Exactly. Right. Um, I, I've heard of both of those as well. And I think, uh, strategies like that and just having signage up in the washrooms that um, that it, it's not okay and that it's okay to talk to us and that you know just just helping bring down that stigma that closed door is not your business yeah. you're here for abdominal pain and <laughs> move on, you know um, yeah yeah I think that you're uh, yeah, your community is lucky to have you. I think we, as a, as a journal, we're lucky to receive your work, and I'm so grateful that you're sharing it, uh, that you're sharing it with us. Um, what I'd like to know is, how was your work received by, uh, you know, your frontline nursing peers? Because sometimes that's, that's tough. 
um, the very first time I had brought it up, I don't know if this was pretty close to when my class was going to start, my final class, or maybe the year before, I had brought it up and people were like, no, don't you dare. <laughs> more, uh, more policies and more to do and highlight that we're not doing a good enough job. Um, but that's not, that's not, we're not bringing this up to, to shame our staff or um, we just want to make care better for our clients, right? Um, and so initially people, people wondered what this would be, what, what, what would come of it, I'm sure. Um, but through the process, everyone was really supportive. Um, no one ever, ever challenged me or was disrespectful at, through the process. They, they all provided feedback, all was constructive um, through our meetings and my presentations. Uh, they, were, they were all very supportive. Um, so we'll see. I've, I've actually been on a maternity leave now. And so when I go back, uh, the literature shows that uh, six months after implementation is or education is when these protocols can start to uh, deteriorate and people stop using them. Um, so it'll be interesting as I return to work here to see how many posters are still up and how many people are carrying the pocket cards and and uh, dive back in to that. It'll be interesting. But no, through through um, the completion of the, the project, my staff were really supportive. That's wonderful. That's great to hear. <laughs> if, if an emergency nurse who wanted to take on um, a similar improvement initiative at their emergency department, uh, what advice would you have for them? Identify what you're passionate about. Sure. You're going to... You're gonna have to dive in and spend your soul on this for a while to get to know. You've got to do your research and, and get to know the background and your statistics. And with any kind of policy change, there's there's going to be resistance, right? With any any changes. Um, and so, if you can justify why why we need to look at look at new ways of doing things, improving things. Um, to understand why it's an issue and come up with an approach of, of why you can address it. And um, having, having the support of your community, whatever the emergency department, public health, wherever you are, um, having the support um, and the collaboration of the individuals that are going to help carry it forward, right? You can't, you can't come into an organization and just say, y'all can do a better job at this and this is how you're going to do it. Um, that's not going to stick and it's not going to work. Um, so you need to collaborate with, with your teams and, and uh, be persistent. Yeah. Trial and error sometimes is okay. what it takes, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Wow, that's really great. Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for you sharing, uh, sharing your work with us. I really am. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about your project or the things that you learned? 
I would just like to encourage ED nurses, if this is something that they feel um, that maybe they could use a little more exposure, background knowledge, start start with our article, um, myself, Dr. Mina, Dr. Mucosa, um, and explore a little more from there. Um, it's something, this is IPV, domestic violence is something that we need to be aware of. Um, these individuals, they visit EDs three times more often than the general population. Um, they say it's 18 to 25% of our clients coming to, into the ED are experiencing IPV. Um, so just, just like to encourage our ED staff to, to be aware and to be patient and to give that time to, to develop rapport and, and have these people feel that they can ask for help or look for help if they need it. Thank you, Thea. I really appreciate that. And I want our, uh, our viewers, our listeners to know that a link to the article, of course, uh, will be located uh, down below the video. Thank you very much for joining me today, Thea. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> it's really great work that you did. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.